welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is Michael Galinsky. He's a filmmaker, artist, writer, and musician based in North Carolina. For the past 25 years, he's made films with his wife, Suki Holly. In 2000, they joined forces with David Bylinson and have made eight documentary feature films together, including a film about the life and work of Dr. John Sarno called All the Rage. Welcome. Thank Welcome. you, Tom. Welcome, Michael, back. And uh, I'll, I'll Michael introduce himself a little bit more, but he's a filmmaker. Uh, he made a film about the late Dr. John Sarno who's a pioneer in mind-body medicine back in the um, late 70s, early 80s, and into the 90s. And I did meet Dr. Sarno before he passed away. But there's many people in this group, in my group, <clears throat> that know of Dr. Sarno. That's how they found me. And I look at my work as, as an extension of Dr. Sarno's work because we have more neuroscience data to, to confirm what he was very clear about back, um, back in the 80s. What I loved about Michael's films, he puts his family right in there. It's real time, real life, the stories, what works and didn't work. It's not, it's not like magic, but Dr. Sarno had a pretty profound impact on his life. But it was also fun for me to watch Dr. Sarno in action. And he was a very concerned, caring, compassionate physician, which is the one factor that every clinician has that heals chronic pain. So Michael um, made a film and it's called, um, what's your website, Michael? <laughs> it's, uh, it's All the Rage. It's the film. And the film is All the Rage Doc, which is D-O-C as in documentary.com. So all the rage doc.com. So, so Michael's a filmmaker. It's a wonderful, wonderful film. I'm an instant fan. I was going to watch it this morning for about 10 minutes to say, yeah, I watched it, Michael, and whatever. I get completely hooked. I, I had to keep rewinding parts of it, listening and going, are you kidding me? So it's a very inspiring story from Michael, his family, Dr. Sarno. It's just a wonderful, wonderful film. So I really encourage you to look at this. So on the prior podcast, Michael and I talked about um, how he met Dr. Sarno, the impact on his family. And what I'd love to do, Michael, we just could encapsulate the message of the film that you made, but what's the message you want to bring to the world and where are you going next? That's what I'm really interested in hearing today. So I think the, the real message of the film is that you're going to be okay. And like really just kind of embracing that idea that our bodies know how to heal themselves. Um, and oftentimes we get in the way and we get in the way because of fear. Um, we get a spike of fear, like, oh my gosh, my back is hurting. Oh my God, I'm going to miss this event. I'm going to not be able to work. Uh, blah, 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 blah. And all of that fear is the problem in the first place. It's causing right. the back pain. So if you respond to the back pain with fear, then you're telling your brain, yeah, we have to be afraid. And so your, your, your body is flooded with stress hormones. And what Dr. Sarno was saying is that was largely a result of, um, the repression of emotions. Now he framed it is that the, um, the pain was a distraction from the unpleasant emotions. That's a fine way of framing it, but we can also frame it as um, that it's just a result of being afraid of those emotions. So it, it's not like, and, and he has lots of different methods for healing. So you could journal, right? To, to connect with your emotions and become less afraid of them to get them out. You know, we as, as we talked about earlier, there's many different clinicians who've come up with very similar ideas, but slightly different patterns, because what the clinician is bringing to it is also important because that's the emotional and um, 
communication connection between the clinician and the patient, which is really important. That can come out through your books like Back in Control or um, Healing Back Pain, but it's also through talks like this. And, and the whole point that I'm getting at is that very simple message. The mind and the body are inextricably linked. You have been told for the last 50 years that they're not, and please don't pay attention to your emotions. Those are just the man behind the screen. Just go on, keep going. When in fact, that's really where the solution is. And so when we can kind of take it back for ourselves, we can heal. Well, you probably haven't seen my recent work, but again, the last two years we've had this work group, which I'm going to send you an email to, to, to join us on this. But the metaphor I use is a Boeing jet. A Boeing jet has two million parts. How could you fly a Boeing jet without a computer? You can't do it. Your body has 30 trillion cells. How can you run your body without a central nervous system? So it's completely intertwined. And so we look at stress as a psychological construct, but it's your total body's response to a threat. Right. So it's, it's just a unit response. And I don't, I don't really like the word mind-body anymore because it implies a separation and there is zero separation, which right. you pointed out, which the film pointed out. So what happens is that we now know that fear, you said something really interesting here, is that, and I got this a little bit from Dr. Bruce Lipton, who's a friend of mine, is that fear, anxiety, anger are all survival reactions that are necessary to survive. They're automatic, they're hardwired. There's nothing you can do about them. To try to change those, like talking to the engine of your car. So the unconscious brain processes about 20 million bits of information per second. The conscious brain processes 40, 20 million mm -hmm. versus 40. Yeah. What you can do, you can reprogram it. But you mentioned the word fear, is that fear is actually inflammatory. That's actually been shown in research that your belief system actually affects the genetic expression of your white blood cells. It's inflammatory. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's genetic. I mean, right. it actually changes your genes. So like, yeah. I mean, I think what's really interesting for me is even before I worked on it, I, I wasn't really fully aware of my own family's traumatic history. It was, I think, after I finished the film that I actually went and looked up something about my own family's history. My father, his parents, both of them came from Lithuania in 1908 when they were small children, fleeing pogroms. When okay. my father was 40, when was about seven or eight years old, maybe nine years old, the Nazis marched into Lithuania and they had their, they didn't, they didn't kill the Jews. They handed out shovels and pickaxes. It's called the Countess Pogrom. 230,000 Jews were killed in a matter of months by their neighbors, right? I'm sorry, say this again. Which country was this? It was in, in Lithuania. It's called the Countess, K-A-U-N-U-S. Look it up on Wikipedia, the pogrom. 230,000? All, all, everybody was killed. By their neighbors? But by their neighbors. It wasn't gone, being sent to work camps. They were literally rounded up and killed. Um, and, you know, yeah, but we, don't, we never hear about that. But the thing that was significant about that to me was that happened when my father was a small child after the depression during the war with you know a poor family and i know that information was coming back he never mentioned it to me but he did not believe in god he was deeply deeply uh, atheist um and and i think you know it affected him and then that right. goes into your genes but it also goes into who you are so you know, and that, that affects you as you grow up. And so I just think that these are really important things to be aware of the right. traumas that we have that we don't even experience. Right. Yeah. Well, the thing is that, as you know, the term epigenetics and just for the audience, yes. epigenetics is that you have your DNA coding a sequence that, that creates genes that encodes proteins to, that run your body. 
And so what epigenetic what epigenetics is is that there's um, chemical reactions with these with the DNA that doesn't change the sequence, but it changes the expression of the gene. It's called epigenetic, and it gets passed down to the next generation. Right. So you're modifying the chain with with different chemical reactions, but you're not changing the genetic code, but you're changing the expression of the gene. Right. So absolutely, you're correct. So I, I'd like to way you summarize this really clearly is that when you understand that your pain is not structural, that you're going to be okay, what it does, it's not psychological, is actually changes your body's physiology right. from fight or flight to safety, right. which is your dramatic change in your metabolism, but also your inflammatory markers. So when your body's inflamed, your body's thrown off cytokines in your brain, your brain sensitized, these inflammatory cytokines. And cytokines, by the way, are small proteins that cells communicate with each other on but also your peripheral nerves, the speed is double, the speed of nerve conduction is double than peripheral nerves based on those inflammatory cytokines. So fear is inflammatory, which actually increases the pain. By having hope, by the way, hope and optimism have been shown to be anti-inflammatory. Right. Very detailed research on the inflammatory markers go down with hope and optimism. Mm -hmm. So the film's been released how many years ago, Michael? Like five years ago. And, and we we brought it all over the world and showed it and and it, you know, the, before the pandemic, it was really wonderful to show it because there is something great about showing it in community. Like if you watch it by yourself, it can be really quite powerful. If you watch it with a hundred other people, it's wildly more powerful. Right. Have you, um, have you, uh, what's been the feedback so far? I know the medical profession, like with my work has not been very open to most of this, but how, how's the uh, public received this? Uh, you know, from the feedback we get, people are really appreciative and it really helps people. And, you know, it's something you were saying a little bit earlier um, about facts, that facts will never change a person's mind. Right. That's something that we really took to heart as we made it. Um, I think it was important for Dr. Sarno to give his lecture to assuage people's fears that it wasn't right. true, that it wasn't grounded in science. Right. But he wasn't trying to prove it. He just wanted, here's the data. I don't care if you believe it or not, but you can heal. Right. But, but for me, um, as we made the film, we found that actually the facts only raised this kind of the resistance. Right. So people who were, but if we, what we intended to do was make people have an emotional experience. And once you become emotionally involved, you understand how powerful your emotions are. And actually one of the most interesting things that happens is after the film, people will come up to me and I'll feel it. It's, it's, it's brought something up that they have previously kept down. It's right there in their chest. And they'll ask a question and I'll say, so I, I recognize that that's, it, it brought it up, right? And and me acknowledging it allows it to release. It's really strange. I've, I've had this happen hundreds of times. They'll go, yeah, and I'll just feel it lift. And that's important to recognize. Well, I don't know how much you know about my story, but you know, the worst part of my ordeal, I had 17 different physical and mental symptoms at the mm. same time. Wow. I had migraines, ringing in my ears, burning in my feet, skin rashes, back pain, mm. neck pain, anxiety, depression, a full-blown obsessive compulsive disorder, and I thought it was psychological, is physiological. My body was on fire. But what I didn't have was anxiety. Because I, I was this big surgeon, bring it on. The way I masked my anxiety was by being powerful, right? Right. So the emo so I have an orthopedic explanation of emotions, which you may, may not agree with, but we know that thoughts are a threat. Mm -hmm. Unpleasant thoughts are a threat that we can't escape. Right. Repressed thoughts are even more of a threat. So you get the body's physiological response to these thoughts, which you can't escape. Your body responds with a fight or flight response. 
which you feel are the emotions. Mm -hmm. So the emotions are that chemical reaction. So anxiety is just a descriptive term. It is not a psychological term. This right. is a description of your body's chemical state. So we know you can't control your thoughts. Repression is even worse, but you have a lot of say over your body's physiology. So what Dr. Sarno engendered, again, a wonderful job in this movie, Michael, is that he engendered a sense of safety and calm. And so that's not psychological either. It's actually physiological. So what Dr. Sarno didn't know back then was the deep physiology that we now know. It's the same process exactly right. of feeling safe, right? Yeah, I, I agree. I, th I think though that, like you were saying before, you can't separate the mind and the body. I think it's right. it's not physiological or psychological. It's psychophysiological. Right. So it's, it's right. both at the same time. Because part of it is, you know, um, you know, Dr. Sarno could be very stentorian and direct and, you know, very persuasive. And I think he had to in some ways because there was so much resistance to the idea. I right. think people are more open to it. So it doesn't have to be a stentorian anymore if they're open to it. And, you know, right. he wouldn't actually, people um, would complain, oh, his results were good because he only, he cherry picked his patients. But it's kind of like, if you're going to go to a physical therapist, right? And the physical therapist says, I need you to lift your leg. And you say, I don't believe it's going to help. So I'm not going to do it. Like then the physical therapist says, get the hell out of my office. Right. It's the same with him. He's like, I'm not going to waste your time. And I don't want you to waste my time. If you don't believe that your emotions are involved, I, there's really nothing I can do for you. So right. I think right. you should go see somebody else. Right. You know? Yeah. No, yeah. And to me, okay. to me about five years to figure that out, that I thought everybody wanted to heal. A lot of people right. just don't want to heal. Right. And it actually changed a little bit. Is that the, it's not that they don't want to heal, is that they don't have the capacity to understand to heal. Right. So they've been so shut down, they don't know how to open up. Right. And so, you know, the suppressed emotions, which are a conscious reaction, the repressed emotions are just automatic. You don't even know that they're there. Right. And so that repressed, suppressed emotions are, are deadly on your body's chemistry, just it's, deadly. It's also deadly in your relationships, right? Like yeah. if you are repressing, which means you're not even aware of it. And you're in a relationship with someone who is aware that that's happening. It can be really difficult. Yep. Or if you become aware and then the other person's like, actually, I liked you much better when you were pressed. Could you just stop that? You know, it, you know, exactly. it, it takes a lot of teamwork. It, it, it you know, because the, the relationship has to shift. It can't be just one person healing. It, it, it isn't an individual problem. It's a community problem. It's a family problem. It's a social problem. It's a capitalism problem. You know, but you know, something I figured out a long time ago, you talk about the resistance in the medical profession to, to look at this As you and I mentioned off the air. This is high school science class. Right. Right. Am I wrong? No. And then in medical school, we learn way more than in high school. We know the human body incredibly well. We understand the bodies of living organisms. Physiology is how the body functions. 90% of symptoms are from the body's physiology. And so Dr. Lipton pointed out really clearly, a friend of mine, that the difference between, a, what's the difference between a cadaver and a human? It's the same structure. Right. The one has movement and life and creates action, including right. physical and mental symptoms. Right. So 9% of symptoms are physiological, where medicine is treating 9% of symptoms structurally, and it right. just doesn't work. So what was it like when you, you met Dr. Sarno? I'm just curious your experience. I know you had several episodes of back pain. Yeah. I know he had a profound effect on your father. Right. He had a profound effect on you, but also your brother too, yeah. right? Yeah. So what was it like actually meeting him and working with him? Well, actually it was funny. I, you know, the book had helped me. I was a little bit nervous because 
I, I felt embarrassed or ashamed that I had read the book and it helped me. And when I went to see him, it was like I hadn't I hadn't been able to do it. Right. So it was like almost like I felt like I had failed. I and I went in and it wasn't like um, I mean, I literally my wife had to carry me in. It was that bad the first time and even worse the second time. Um, and I didn't have a miraculous recovery, mm -hmm. but his he gave me belief back. You know, he right. he looked up, he took my MRI and said, threw it across the room and said, screw this. There's nothing wrong with you, kid. Yeah, and, he actually threw it across the room. I mean, I think he, he, he said, you want this? I'll just put it in the trash. He like put it in the trash can. He's like, this is nonsense. Do you want to keep it? You can keep it if you want, but I don't think it's, it's like, I see this every day right. and I slowly healed, but I, I did struggle because I still had work to do and I still have work to do. And I've been doing that work. And one thing I would say is like, people ask me after the movie, are you healed? And I, and I'll always tell them, no, you know, I have this disease called being human and it's going to, you know, we're all going to die from it, but right. I I'm continually healing. And, and I would say like two things that have been really profoundly helpful to me uh, are yoga. And, and I would say meditation, although I'm not, it's not like I meditate every day, but mm -hmm. the idea of living in a more meditative way. So right. working on acceptance, really right. profoundly working on acceptance and gratitude because mm -hmm. Um, that which we resist will persist. Correct. And that which we resist will cause fear. So okay. it's the same thing. And once we realize that, like, if we want something and we can't get it, it actually creates a negative response in our body. These are physical responses, you know? Well, what the neuroscience now shows out of UCLA is that emotional pain and physical pain are processed in the same circuit to the brain. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. So when someone says you hurt my feelings, that's true. Mm -hmm. So why would you want to feel emotional pain if it hurts as much as physical pain? Right. That's why people repress. I mean, what else are we supposed to do? We're not taught to process it. We're not taught to, we're not taught to separate it. We're not taught, to, we're not taught how to auto-regulate your body's chemistry. So what happens is we just, all we know how to do is, is suppress. What else do we do? Well, what we do a lot is, is react. And the reaction is often a, a form of suppression. Right. And so, so one thing that was really powerful for me was a um, for me was the presence process, which is a ten week meditation program by a guy named Michael Brown. Okay. And what's really powerful in that is in like it goes from out to in. And in week three, what you have to do it's each every week you go a little deeper. In week mm -hmm. three, you're paying attention to whenever you get angry, you step out of the situation, and you look at your re reaction because your reaction is yours no one makes you angry that is your reaction someone can do something but you're responsible for that and so what was so profound about that is it really helped me to recognize if i'm feeling angry i have to then deal with what that is because right. if you're angry it's usually self-protection now the second part of that which was really helpful and it took me a while to get to was recognizing that we should honor that anger because in our relationships a lot of the time the anger is telling us you know what, this is out of balance and something is being asked of you that's not okay. It's, it's too much. Right. And that doesn't mean you have to respond with anger. You take right. the anger and you go, you know what, actually what you're asking is, I, I, that's, that doesn't seem fair to me. It feels out of balance. And the thing to remember again is resistance creates resistance. So here's the biggest problem with all that is if you react with anger, what are you going to get back? Anger. Sure. But right. if you can bring something to somebody they may still react with anger, but you have slowed down that process. And if maybe they, they react angrily to this thing you brought to them and you're able to not react with anger, but to let it flow through, eventually that wind blows out. Right, exactly. And then you're able to have a conversation. It does still put an inordinate level of responsibility on you to handle it, 
but you can help move things forward. That, right. that this is this is something that has taken me a long time to learn, and uh, I'm still learning it. But I think that's the most valuable thing that I've gotten to is being able to to balance my anger, respect it when I feel it, so that I can address something rather than repress it. Because one thing I did was I became aware of it and then found new ways of suppressing it because I felt like right. that wasn't right. helping. But right. so it's just a real process of being able to kind of navigate that to shift all the relationships. Right. So you're a filmmaker. Is that, is that your main goal? Is that your main role That's, as a filmmaker? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a filmmaker and a photographer. Yeah, I'm just curious with your your background. Where did you train at, or how, what films have you done besides this one? Because this was really, truly one of the more interesting documentaries you've ever seen. Not not because I believe it's Charlie, but I mean just yeah. the way you told the story. I'm always fascinated how you can you can just get specific scenes and tell a whole story with just one scene. So yeah. you um, you wrote the film, correct? Well, so I have a partner, uh, my wife, Suki, and we make all of our work together. I okay. met her. I, I did not go to film school. She went to film school. Okay. But I had like studied anthropology. I was a religious studies major. Okay. And doing a lot of documentation of the music scene. So I suggested to her that she drop out of film school and make a movie with me about that, that world. And so that's how we started making movies. And then we started making documentaries. And it's interesting because both episodes of Terrible Back Pain came when we made a movie that we knew was really good but we couldn't get anyone to show it. Um, and we eventually self-distributed both of those films. The first was called Horns and Halos. And the second was Battle for Brooklyn. And okay. both of them got shortlisted for the Oscar, but okay. literally nobody would show them. And we had to do everything ourselves. And it was that pushing myself beyond my capacity because I had no support system is what landed me on the floor both times. Wow. So which, what do you, uh, so I know the Sorrow, Dr. Sorrow personally had a big effect on you. The, the films yeah. had a, uh, an excellent, you know, it's it's a great film, and it's going to have an ongoing effect. Yeah. Do you have any plans moving forward to, to continue that type of film, Doctor Sarno type work, or are you going in a different direction? I'm curious what your plans going forward as far as bringing the stuff. Yeah, to well, it's funny. At the same time, we were working the Doctor Sarno movie. Um, we were making another movie about donor conception because uh, I had two, uh, donor conception, sperm donor conception, and egg okay. donor conception. Because um, when I had my um, kids, I remembered that I was a sperm donor. Okay. And I started looking into it and I found out that uh, a lot of people were really upset about it because it's kind of intentional adoption. Right. And, and there's not a lot of ethical, deep ethical thought about like, what's the best way to do this? Right. Uh, because kind of like the medical system, it was a for-profit thing that has a lot of good things going for it, but no one wants to get in the way of the complication for the adults. Anyway, right. started looking into it. And two years ago, I got contacted by a daughter and she's um, now one of my best friends. And so I'm starting to kind of work that into it. But I, I followed all these other stories. So that's what we're working on. And at one point, I tried to actually combine the Dr. Cerno film with that because it was nature versus nurture. It was all these things we've been taught to be true. Like I, I grew up in nurture is everything. It turns out nature is pretty strong, but I did not was not given that belief. So that's why, um, you know, that's why I became a sperm donor because I was like, I'm just some genetic material. But once I had my kids and they came out who they were and I was never going to nurture them into something they were not, I was like, oh, that was not true. <laughs> you know, nurture right. is really powerful, but nature is the bomb. So <laughs> that's, your next film is in this, in that realm? Yeah, it is. And I, and I do want to do a follow-up to All the Rage, which starts to get into kind of like the deeper levels of exactly what you're talking about. And and weaves Dr. Sarno into that larger narrative. Because 
I mean, like literally I didn't have the words to articulate this until probably six months ago, but Dr. Sarno was trauma informed before anybody had that term. Right. And that's why nobody understood what he was talking about because there was no trauma awareness. Right. You know? Well, and you certainly bring out the fact, I mean, I, I mean, all of us right now that are in, in this world, um, you, all I can say, we just have learned to quit beating our head against the wall. We just do yeah. what we can do. We have the people in front of us. I've actually, it's a long story, but I've completely given up in the medical profession. We're right. just giving up. Yeah. So they have their way of thinking that's entrenched beyond yeah. words. Yeah. And I have lots of people that I can help. And a lot of people I can't help. They're not open, right? Right. So what I've learned myself personally from self-preservation, but I also learned I need to preserve my energy. Yeah. For people that I can help, right? Right. So totally. yeah, it's been a very long road for me, also. And I, and, and actually, Doctor Sarno's story really resonated with me. Um, I've been actively beat up my by my healthcare system for a long time, and there's right now the business of medicine has made this ten times worse. Yeah. So many of my friends and colleagues actually talk to the patients actually being let go from their jobs. They lose their jobs. Yeah. So it's, it's become really, really tough out there. So the sense of actually medicine, the way it's supposed to be practiced was epitomized by Dr. Sarno. He was remarkable. And uh, I had the same thing, situation with Dr. Sarno. I had hundreds of patients going to pain-free. Everybody knew it. Right. But people quit referring to me because I wasn't going to do surgery. Right. And they also never asked me, hey, this is really cool. What are you doing? Right. So it's a weird mindset interaction that's hard to put into words. It's very, very discouraging. Right. Well, that, I mean, I think that's a lot of what our film is about. It's about systems. And that's actually what all of our work is about, is how systems are necessary and they're important, but they're also immensely corrupted without being able to see that. You know, right. there's, there's a mass repression of information because to bring forth this information makes you unsafe, right? If you're aware right. of this, you become unsafe. And right. so there's a quick learning, oh, I'm, I'm, I just, I, I got to do this. And, and for instance, I was talking a little bit ago about like um, a woman who told me that her daughter had lupus and she explained she you know, never had any health problems. Then her daughter, who was African-American, um, was trying to get a law degree and a PhD at the same time. And you can just imagine the level of stress that comes with not being able to challenge power, right? So any, well, this is one of the problems with academia, right? Like you, the reason we don't get much challenging information is if I want to get a PhD, I don't go to my faculty advisor and say, I think that everything you have done is wrong. And I want to do a PhD that challenges all that. Will you be my supervisor? They're gonna be like, get out of here. You know, because right. we all have egos. And so the, the, this is the problem. Yeah, it's really, really difficult. You know, and, you know, to that degree, actually, I've learned, like when I first started getting the movie out there, I would see on Twitter, someone complaining about back pain. So I would offer them the movie. But I learned to actually be really conscious of what energy I was bringing to that. And right. I now do it with no energy of expectation. Here's a gift. You don't have to take it. It's fine. And I just let it go. But I, I realized for a while there was still was like, oh, I want to, like you said, I want to help all these people. You can offer it as a gift and they may never get it. And that's right. fine. It's difficult, but it's fine. No, you're, you're exactly right. When you actually are excited about somebody potentially being helped, they just immediately resist. It's just an automatic response. Almost. Right. So, so um, psychological I, any um, final words for our audience? Yeah, this has been, been uh, you know, as you know, Dr. Toba Goldfein is one that connected us. Yeah. And she's yeah. wonderful. I've, she's been on my podcast and I've been on hers. 
and she's in Israel. She's a chiropractor that does a lot of this work and she's yeah. wonderful. So she's the one that connected us. So I'm super excited to meet you. I'm going to show yeah. you, I'm going to watch your film again tonight with my wife. And we both are going to resonate with it because, um, you know, my professional pathway has been pretty darn similar. Yeah. And I didn't know how much beating up he took, which is actually, um, what do I want to say, reassuring for me that I, was, I wasn't, wasn't the only one getting, getting beat up in this film. Yeah. Um, and the beatings, the beatings continue, but it's okay. In other words, I feel bad for the people that aren't open to ideas because they're missing a healing opportunity. Right. So I don't need to take that personally. I feel bad for them. I wish I had a way of getting through, but you and I both know you just can't do that. Right. I mean, that's the acceptance practice that I, I like. The yoga has helped me with that a lot. Like yoga is very in line or certain types of, like Hatha yoga is very much about like, you know, not pushing into a pose, go to mm -hmm. where you can, you know, and next time maybe you'll be different. It's just accepting, accepting where you're at, but, but it's, that's complicated for different people, right? Cause some people push themselves too hard and some people don't push themselves enough. And right. so some of that means like, okay, I'm going to challenge myself today. Cause I realize that I'm really, I don't push myself. So what is that about me that maybe I need to try a little harder? Cause I can believe in myself a little bit more. I know I can do this, you know? So I'm curious, um, Again, the website is alltherage.doc.com. Uh -huh. It's the movies there. Um, is it still being, um, is the public still aware of it or is it sort of um, it's kind held of off a bit? You know, I'd say probably three or four people watch it a day. They do. Okay. Yeah, that's 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 what happens. But, I, you know, I would love to get it seen in a wider way. Um, I keep, We keep trying. Um, and we are trying to figure out a way to get it on something like a streaming platform so it's more readily available. But you know, it's, it's, it is interesting because people in the, in the age of streaming, people want everything to be free, but they don't realize that, you know, if we're gonna do this work, we also have to sustain ourselves. Correct. You know? Well, you know, absolutely. And of course, lots of, you know, a lot of films now you do pay for them. That's starting to happen more anyway. Right. But yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you put a lot of work into this. It's incredibly well done quality. It's amazing quality on top of the story being, real, being well written. Yeah. So it's certainly worth your time. Yeah. And uh, if you can afford five bucks, why? <laughs> Come on. And if you can't, it's not even the price of a movie. It's not the price of a movie theater. No, it's not even. It's it's so. it's very inexpensive. But it's also, um, yeah, it's it's also like sometimes actually we also have felt like we need to charge, right? Because if people think it's free, then it doesn't have value, and they don't take it seriously. Yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely. There's this balance of like you actually have to you have to invest in this. Right. Uh, if you're not investing yourself, you're not going to get anything from it. Right. right? So, You're going to eat it like popcorn and just run through it. And be like, oh, that's another thing. It didn't help. You know, well, Michael, thank you. You made a major contribution to public awareness of health. We really appreciate it. I'm excited to meet you. I like your enthusiasm and, yeah. you know, hopefully we can help each other's efforts out a bit. Absolutely. All right. Nice scene. Nice talking thank to you. you. I'd like to thank our guest, Michael Galinsky, for being on the program today and for discussing the key messages in his documentary film, about the life and work of Dr. John Sarno called All the Rage and how it influenced his own healing journey. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.